Hi guys, this is Kayla and Marissa and welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This month we read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab and this was our October Book of the Month pick and I'm really proud of us for actually reading it in October because I think, well, it was like two weeks ago we read... What book was it? I forgot the name of it now. Atomic Love. Yeah, we read Atomic Love. We got it in August, and we didn't read it until... No, we got it probably earlier than that, but we didn't read it until, like, September or October. So, we read this in the month. I've seen it all over Bookstagram. It thought it was really good. It was very... It was just different. I don't really know what I was expecting going into the book, but... Uh, I I really did like it. I just have like, I don't know, I feel like I'm having a hard time putting my feelings about it into words. Yeah, like the book was good and it took me back to my young adult fantasy fiction days and I really liked that. And I liked the book. It was just really long. The middle section didn't really add new details. Like they kind of introduced Henry and they gave us all his background. And like that was fine. But at some point I just kind of put the book down. I was like, can we just get to the point? Like, like it's good, but it, it was a little long. I did feel like some of the flashbacks definitely weren't necessary for the plot of the book. Yeah, I wish I took more notes to the dates of the flashbacks because I feel like they are very significant. But towards the end, I was reading it super slow and we had to record. So I kind of just like was trying to get done with the book. So I stopped paying attention to the dates. But yeah, no, it was just a long book, but it was a really good book. I really liked the ending. I, I feel like it really picked up. I did not, I don't know, I guess I did not see the love story between Luke and her. Like, I knew it was building the whole time, but, like, not, like, it's not really a love story. I wouldn't know what, like, what would you describe Luke and her relationship? I mean, they both needed each other, but he was kind of possessive and she was just lonely. So, I don't know what you call that. But I guess we should probably start off with the synopsis because people probably have no idea what we're talking about if they did read the book. I mean, I think you should read the book before you listen to this podcast, but to put context behind what we're even saying, we should probably tell you what like, the book's about. We should. And we will. I'll be right back. I don't have the book cover. <laughs> I have the book cover now. Oh, do I want to read this whole thing? Do you think you can summarize it better than they can? <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> okay. Oh, <boy>. I... <laughs> Basically, there is a girl named Adeline LaRue, or Adeline, depending on how you pronounce it, um, and she's supposed to marry this random dude named Roger in France in, like, the 16 or 1700s, and she basically doesn't want to, so she prays to the gods after dark, which is a big no-no. You're not supposed to do that, and this god comes out of nowhere, and he's like, hey, what do you want? And she's like, hey, I don't want to marry Roger, and he's like, ah, that's not specific enough. But eventually they settle on a deal, and she decides to take the deal, in which she lives forever, untethered to any person. However, this untethered to any person also means she's forgotten by everyone, and thus you have the invisible life of Addie LaRue. She's wandering around in this book, basically just being forgotten, living this crazy cool life, going to France and all these different places, Paris, whatever, and just being forgotten by everyone she meets. Until 2014, when she meets a boy named Henry, and everything changes because he remembers her. So that is the synopsis of the book. And then what happens from there is the whole story. I was trying to look up her exact wish because I knew it was started with, like, I don't want to marry. 
but I feel like he, she had a wish for something else because the way he he the way he made her wish come true, I did not think like whenever she said her wish, I'm like, how did he get this out of that? Um, she wished to him, I do not want to belong to to anyone, which now makes sense. So so she's forgotten. Like like so, say someone's with her the entire time. They they know who she is. They remember her, but as soon as she's like out of eyesight, they forget who she ever was and like forget that they ever had an, a moment together or anything. And the only thing she can leave on like leave is feelings and like inspiration. But like they don't know where the inspiration comes from. They don't know where the feeling comes from. Like they literally just forget her. But that makes sense because she doesn't want to belong to anybody. So when she f- is forgotten by everyone's mind, she belongs to nobody. But it's like such a scary thought to not be remembered. Oh, yeah. I texted you this last night. I think in that first week after she was cursed and she's going to her parents' house and they're like, we don't have a daughter. And then she goes to Estelle's house and Estelle's like, I don't know you. Be gone, spirit. I would just just given up. I'd have been like, this isn't worth it. I can't do this. Like, can you imagine how lonely and frustrating that would be? And I also don't get why she wasn't able to own anything. Like, just because she wasn't doesn't get to be owned by others. Like, I feel like she should be able to own a house. Like, I yeah. just feel like he he twisted it such in a way where she like had like she couldn't do anything. She couldn't hold a job. She couldn't have a house. She couldn't like make anything. She literally could only steal, and I was well, just, it's just a sad life. Well, but I mean, he did that because she wanted to live forever, and he was like, no, that's too much time. I'm not giving you that deal. And so she was like, how about my soul will be yours when I'm done? So he had to make it really bad for her to try and force her to not want to live anymore, basically. So, I mean, like, I get why he made it so bad and why it was so hard. I just can't believe she kept going. Yeah, I don't think I can do it. I don't think yeah. I would even wish to begin with i think i would have been too scared to she knew in the moment she wished it was dark outside in the moment when she was wishing i feel like that whole day was such a i was so confused kind of when i was reading it because one minute it was the afternoon she's getting married and the next minute she's like running to the forest and then it's nighttime and i'm like when did it become nighttime yeah and then she's like everything got black and i felt like it got black because he was there and i'm like but when did it when did it become after dark and it was just uh that was a whirlwind of when she granted her when she asked when she prayed to the gods. But I think I would have just freaked out the minute the gods came down. I would be like, you know what, whatever, I'm going to marry this guy. I'll go off. I don't know. Maybe she was just so desperate. And I, like, I'm desperate to see the world too, but I'm not going to sell my soul. Yeah. It was also crazy to me how many people's souls. I feel like he just had souls everywhere, Luke. Yeah, but they were all famous artists, which I thought was really funny. That makes sense. I feel like those are the people who are daring and like take risks and are not complacent with average life and are the ones like willing to sell their soul for something. What? Accountants are complacent with life? (laughs) We do taxes all day long. (laughs) You can't really peg us for like risk takers, (laughs) adrenaline junkies. True. Uh, yeah, I I guess I'm at a loss for words. I just I'm guess I mean <laughs> it's really bad to have a book podcast a book podcast and you can't even put your thoughts into words right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I finished this book a few days ago and have had time to digest it because I like I said I was bored in the middle and then I really liked the ending and now that I've thought about it, I've also thought of 
plot holes in the curse and questions I have about the curse. And like you said, why was she allowed to not possess things? Like she couldn't have anything, but then she could do some things. Like she was able to plant that tree over Estelle's grave, but then she couldn't write her name, but she could plant a tree. I don't know. There were things that looking back, I'm like, I don't know if we were supposed to know. Maybe it's supposed to be left up kind of mysteriously, but I, I wish things had been explained a little better. I think with the curse. I do too. I feel like the rules weren't established in the beginning and they kept on like building up over time. But yeah. one of the moments that stick out for me is that party where she, well, every day she would go to the same party and pretend to be this person until someone else forgets her or whatever, not whatever. And then Luke came in and scared everybody and was like, this girl's an imposter. Like you let her in. Like this is not who she, she says she is. And everyone's frightened and she leaves. And he's, I forget exactly what he says, but he's like, they will always remember the idea of you that fear but they won't remember you and like i don't know it's just so crazy like that that could be left when the idea couldn't it was just all very i feel like they just made up their own rules yeah i thought too anytime a door closed people would forget her so did she spend all day with people and people just like never went to the bathroom wouldn't they have forgotten her if they went to the bathroom there were some there were some plot holes i thought personally yeah, she spent all good. night with boys, and then <laughs> did they just never never go to the bathroom the whole night? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is weird. I didn't even think about that. That is really strange. In the beginning of the book, I was like, I'm going to be really good taking notes in this book, and I put bookmarks in it and stuff like that. But then the book was just so long, and I just like wanted to finish it. I read half of this on the plane. But I guess some of the things I highlighted... Oh, this was um, this is, like literally from like, the first page. And it says, what is the person if not the mark they leave behind and that's just like a big opener because i feel like we definitely express ourselves with the marks we leave behind and what people think about us i feel like i care more what people think about me than i should but like that's a big thought in my everyday life yeah no i agree i the one of the fears of death i think is being forgotten like for people who didn't have children it's like okay well their legacy kind of dies with them because who's going to remember them and i think at the end of the day, we do all want to be remembered and leave something behind and impress something on someone. So I, I, the opener, I mean, is the theme of the book and is kind of a theme in our lives, too. We take so many photos day to day. I'm obsessed with photos. I take them all the time. And just imagine not being able to take, imagine not being able to take photos, imagine not being able to be in photos. Like, those are things we carry on in life. I always look back at photos. I just think how important photos are in our life. And she could not even be in a photo. She couldn't take one. It was just such crazy. Her rule, and she couldn't write down anything. Like, it was just such a crazy rules. I know. I yeah, felt I, so I bad at her at that one restaurant where she couldn't order food because you had to write down your order, and she couldn't do it because she couldn't <laughs> write down anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, no, the the rules sucked. Like I said, I think her life sucked because as people, I think we want to be around other people. Even, even if you're introverted and shy, you still have your people that know you. Like, can I just can't imagine someone not knowing me. Like, I get every day I could tell someone a new person about myself and be like, oh, these horrible things happened to me. But then they wouldn't remember. So, like, what's the point? Like, I just think her life sucked. (laughs) 
the beginning chapters when she would just walk around New York and stay at random apartments. It, it was just and like lived this lonely life. I was like, why does she keep going? Three hundred years. What are you doing? It all made it worth when she went to those new like, adventures she would do, where she go to the new clubs or she would go to that new show. And I think a quote that Luke said in the end was, "When I saw your face light up at that show, I knew." that you were never going to give up and I I see why she kept going but I would just I couldn't I would yeah. just need people to remember me do you think she would have been able to keep going if Luke hadn't visited her on their anniversaries and occasionally like even with the 14 year gaps because for me I feel like I would have been hanging on to those visits just knowing someone who knew my story so I wasn't sure if that played into her survival because she looked forward to it every time in this weird way i think it definitely gave her a reason to live like i feel like she looked forward to it and much as she said she dreaded it she also like she had like a sigh of relief every time he'd show up because he was like she was happy to kind of not she wasn't she was relieved to see him i feel like she yes sometimes waited years to see him and i was kind of in the end before she had the big falling out were they sleeping together often (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was wondering yeah yeah I think it was like a slow build-up in the book and then in the last hundred pages basically her and him were just yeah like sleeping together I think it said first he'd visit every couple months and then it became every couple weeks and then it was like daily as opposed to like in the beginning of the book he only visited once a year tops and then by the end of the book it was a daily thing what was the falling out they had that They didn't talk for 40 years. So I think it was actually referenced halfway through the book because halfway through the book, there's um, a flashback where she's, you get the sense that her and Luke were sleeping together and he whispers to her, you know, like Adeline, Adeline. And then he says the word surrender and they're supposed to be lovers and he's still telling her to surrender. And I think that was the falling out was that she realized like it wasn't love and she thought he was faking it because then later when they kind of get back to that scene in real time, I guess, I mean, it was still like a flashback, but more present when she says you were just doing this to break me. He agrees with her. And then later in the book, he says he lied about that. He wasn't doing it to break her. He really did love her. But I think at the end of the day, she just knew it wasn't love. And that was the falling out. I also don't get like what Luke is. Is he just, I know so many people have like have sold their soul to him and I know that he represents the dream boy that Addie like has drawn up her entire life up until she gave up her soul. Does he just resemble like, everyone's dream guy to them? Yeah, I think he presents himself as the person wants to see him. Like how did he show I forgot how Henry described him, but it sounded fairly similar to how Addie describes him. Mm-hmm. And then when he goes and takes the old woman's soul, Addie said that he kept the black curls and his face just kind of like changed slightly, like became sharper, more angled or something like that. So I don't know if the black curls are standard in every form he takes or, or what that is, but he looks from what Addy describes similar to different people, but he also takes the shape that they want to see. Okay. That makes sense. So I don't know. It's all just, it's a very interesting book. Like this whole concept is just very interesting. When we, I guess when we first were reading about the book, I feel like you related it to the time traveler's wife or what book did you relate it to? I related it to the movie, the age of Adeline. Would you say that they're similar? They're 
similar. This one's more like a more like more gothic mystery. The devil was behind it. Um, I just, I don't know why, I get kicks out when people reference the devil. (laughs) No, I just, I feel like we don't read a lot of fantasy books. We read a lot of fiction and romance books. I feel like we, this is the first time, I guess, I don't even know if you'd consider this a fantasy. I mean, you have to, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, I I think it's funny when we say like the devil and stuff. So what would you say is the best thing about Addie's life? Gosh, I think I hate her life. (laughs) (laughs) I think the best thing about her life is that she gets to choose it. She chose that life. She gets to choose when she's done with it. And she gets to choose every step she takes. Now, like, there are barriers, obviously, but it is her choice. And that was the thing with the first, you know, 70 to 100 pages before the curse took effect, before she almost married Roger, was she just felt like her life was on a path where she had no choice. And so I think that's the best thing for her as an independent woman, that the fact that she does get to choose. Yeah, I agree. I like the fact that she doesn't age. It gives me very big vampire-ish vibes, and we all know how much... Well, I guess we don't know how much I love vampires, but I do like vampires a lot, so I like how she doesn't age. It's kind of funny she has, like... So vampires have the issue where they have to move around every couple months because they are remembered, and they have to leave people until, like, those people die off and they come back. Whereas Addie can stay in the same city forever, and no one will ever know because she doesn't age. Like, no one remembers her. That's true. Like, imagine if she was able to be remembered and whatnot. Like, she'd have to move around all the time. I looked up questions for reading group because I just... This book is so complex, I need to look up questions. So I, we usually write up our own questions or we try to just talk about the book and our feelings about it. But this book was just so much going on. So I, was, I just looked up questions, I think, from the website of the book. And the second question they asked is, Discuss the intense power struggle between Addie and Luke. What makes him such a master of seduction and how does... Addie reclaim her power and agency over the course of the centuries. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's like a deep question. Um, I just was reading and I was like, ooh, I don't even think I have an answer for this. Um, <laughs> so I think his power and then her ultimate reclaiming of the power there at the very end came down to words. He's a master of words, a master of semantics, and he can persuade people into deals that they think are good but then he can twist i mean i mean that's how he controlled her life was the fact that she left the deal open to interpretation with her words i guess you could say and so he was able to control her life and make it miserable but by the end she also learned the power of words and you know at the very end if we want to give it away they remade their deal they adjusted the terms and she was careful with her words that time and whereas he was the more desperate one and i think that too was how she claimed her power throughout was just her pure stubbornness and the fact that she did long for him because she was lonely but she realized he also longed for her because he was lonely and so she was able to get the upper hand in that sense because he'd probably never longed for anyone because you make a deal with him once and then he revisits you to claim your soul. Whereas she actually like lived forever and they could talk and walk. And so I think she just studied him, learned him and even learned from him. 
Um, so he held the upper hand in the beginning, but by the end, the you know apprentice had become the master, and that's where she, I think she reclaimed her power. Do you think he loved her? <sighs> I mean, you know I have a skewed, messed up image of love. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I feel like he did love her. I feel like she did love him at some point. Like, I think before Henry, before she saw him. Maybe after the first soul, she kind of forgot about it, but I feel like after she saw the second soul being taken, she didn't love him anymore, but I feel like at some point, she did love him. Yeah. In, like, a bad way. Like, in a very toxic way. Like, I don't know, when you go, when a girl... I feel like she loved him, or she wouldn't have slept with him all that all those times. Yeah. I don't know if she loved him only because she was lonely, um, being forgotten all the time, and he's the only one who remembered her. But at the end of the day, like he said, she wasn't human at that point anymore. And so in my mind, I thought they were going to like be together romantically in the end because she wasn't human and she couldn't be in a human relationship. And I was like, they satisfy a need in each other. Like, why shouldn't they be together? But whatever. I didn't write the book, so it's fine. I thought that I mean, I thought she would just kind of give into at the end because she sacrificed herself for Henry. And I thought, okay, maybe they'll, like, run off and be together and, like, she'll... I just feel like deep down she was in love with him and I thought she was just going to, like, be with him. And they were going to, like, really be together. But it wasn't the case and she just, like, still despises him and, like, wants to be done with him. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say about him loving her, this was another reason I thought he loved her, was in the end when she's remaking the terms of the deal. In return for sparing Henry's life, he says oh, so you're going to surrender? And she was like, well, no, because I know that's not what you want. And it wasn't what he wanted. He didn't at that point want her soul. He didn't want her to end and disappear because he loved her. He wanted them to keep living the way they were. And I guess in some ways you could look at that very deeply and be like, oh, he didn't want her to change and he was possessive and he just didn't want to lose her. That's not love. But like, I also look at it as he did love her. He didn't want her life to end. He wanted it to continue together. So I'm with you. I kind of thought he loved her. Maybe we just have really warped senses of love and we think the (laughs) devil loves a fake human being, but (laughs) I am choosing to believe this is a love triangle over here. (laughs) Ah, love triangle. Better or worse than Uh, atomic love. (laughs) It really, uh, I thought it was funny when she thought she was going to steal a book from Henry's bookstore and he was like, hey, no, and she was, like, looking at him like, what, you remember me? <laughs> like, it was, like, in the worst moment possible that he, she could be remembered. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I love their relationship. It was so pure, and they just, like, had such a New York relationship, especially because, like, we're both, like, we live in New York, well, versus hopefully moving back to New York. I'm currently in New York, and we have been in quarantine pretty much all of New York, so, like, we haven't had a chance to be in relationship to New York, but they, like, they went to the park and then they went to Brooklyn and went to bars and restaurants and had like dinner parties with their friends on rooftops and I'm like I just want that yeah and it was here, so New York it was very New York and it, it, it made me miss pre-quarantine life but it kind of also inspired me to travel the world because so many chapters took place in like France and London and what other cities I feel like Italy was there too and 
I just want to travel like she does. I mean, I'm granted not going to sell my soul to travel, but... (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, so where do we end off? I don't even remember. I feel like I'm being boring this podcast. I just wanted to kind of get it over with. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's not a bad book. It's just deep. It's not deep, but it's like complex and there's a lot to unpack. And that's not really what we do in this podcast, I don't think. We usually like to rant about our love interests and relationships. We need to read a romance book next one because I'm just like, the past couple of books have been so deep and they've been kind of complex. And I'm like, I just want something light and fluffy that we can have an argument about. Well, okay, we can kind of argue about this then because you said you liked her and Henry's little love story. Did you actually like her and Henry or did you just like that it was set in New York and very New York-ish? I didn't mind her and Henry. Like, I thought they were kind of good together. Do you not yeah. think they were good together? No, I thought they were fine together. But, like, notice the words we're using. Like, oh, I didn't mind them. Oh, they were fine. Like, there, you know, there wasn't passion. And Addie even says that the whole time at the end. She's like, yeah, it's fine. Maybe complacent is good. Maybe it's okay to just be warm and not hot. And I was like, okay, Addie, you sound like you've been married to this guy for 40 years and you're good now. But, like, you're at the young first part of the relationship. That's where you're supposed to be, like, super passionate about the guy. And you're totally just, yeah. Yeah, he's fine. He's great. Woohoo! Thumbs up. <laughs> I, just, I think I, she solely loved him because he could remember her. I think so too. And so I feel like it's not fair for her to discount Luke's love when she basically loves Henry for the same reason Luke loved her. Like, I don't know. I yeah, I agree. I loved their relationship and how cute it was because it was based in New York and the things they did were cute. Mm-hmm. They, they probably weren't the most compatible people in the world. Although I did think they were good for each other in some sites. But yeah, they're a pretty boring couple. They only had like, what, like six months together? Seven months together? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Henry just had some issues going on. Uh, I think you texted me that you, you were Henry. Yeah, based on his wish, just wanting to be enough for people. And like, especially when I texted you that, I just felt like I wasn't... I couldn't make my parents happy if I went to New York. I couldn't make you and Lily and even myself happy in some ways if I stayed in Arizona. Like I And my sister obviously was like putting a ton of pressure on me. And so when I was reading about Henry and his wish and just wanting to be enough, I was like, oh, my gosh, I am freaking Henry. If it came down to it, I might trade my soul just to be enough Like because it's so exhausting just never being enough for anyone. And so I really related to Henry in that sense. Did you relate to him as his story progressed? I... I liked Henry throughout the book, and yeah, I mean, I think I did relate to him. I I feel like he was just this lost soul, and he was just so lost, and especially after the curse, obviously, no one could really see him for how he was, but even before the curse, I think he was just misunderstood, and he just felt hopeless about it, and like, I I mean, I don't want to be all dark and twisty, but yeah, I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> you can be dark and twisty. I like the dark and twisty, Marissa. Would you give? Would you ask for the same thing for the time period that Henry asked for, or would you want? No, more? I would want more. A year is not enough. I get why. I mean, if Henry was about to, you know, commit suicide, then I, I get a year. Just a year of happiness is, sounds amazing. But no, that is not enough. Because by the time you realize you're happy, you just have to give your soul up. And that's just, like, not okay. I feel like he wasn't even happy before he met 
Addy. Like, did you get the vibe that he was, like, Mr. Happy when we first met him? No, no. I forget. Oh, when they went on their date and they were at the movie theater and he was, like, all antsy from watching a movie that she's already seen before. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I just need to leave. I was like, this does not sound like a guy who's Mr. Happy. But I was like, and also I just understand why he couldn't sit there. He didn't see the movie before. Why couldn't he just sit there and watch a movie? But I guess (laughs) he was, like, dying in a year and he didn't want to waste his time on a movie he's already seen. But... Yeah, he's a very, um, he, I felt bad for him. I, the way, whenever, I think it was New Year's and he was sitting on the, the balcony or fire escape and he was just so sad. I felt so bad for him. Yeah, no, I did too. I, and I think the reason he wasn't happy until Addy got there was because no one really saw him. He was still, what he asked for was to be enough. And what he got was not being enough as he was, but being enough as people wanted him to be. So he was still as lost as before. Like maybe right after the curse happened, he was happy. He's like, hey, everyone wants me. This is cool. But once you realize it's fake, there was no way he could be happy with that. Like, I'm surprised he even hung on long enough to meet Addy. Hung on long enough. (laughs) I mean, the boy had issues, okay? He He, He was... When it started, he was going to fling himself off the roof. So the boy the boy is lost, and, and we don't want to be the boy. We all want to be healthier than the boy, but we can understand the boy. Yes. We, we make jokes about being dark and twisty, but we are not as dark and twisty as Henry. No, Henry's very dark and twisty. <laughs> okay. Is there any lover that stood out for you besides Henry? And Luke? Yeah, I think I think Remy was her first big love. And the pivotal moment with that was when he handed her the coins like she was a prostitute. And I think that broke her, but also make made her stronger in a way. I think that was so important that it happened because even up to Remy, she was holding on to this hope that it could be different. And when Remy looked at her and then handed her the coins, it was like, no, it can't be different. So I have a choice to make. I can either end it now or I can keep going with this knowledge I have that it's never going to be different. And she kept going with that knowledge and she made the best of it. So Remy definitely stood out to me. And she even, you know, flashes back to him several times in the book. So I think he was a very pivotal lover to her. Yeah, I feel like he was the first one that, like, yeah, lived up to her, like, little girl fantasies of being with someone that you, like, match passionately. I feel like they're both very passionate about, like, living life and seeing the world and learning how to, learning about the cultures. Uh, I think, wasn't Remy the one who inspired her to, to learn how to read? Yeah. So, I liked Remy. If only he could remember her. That I mean, that would just break me right there. Like, if the man I love, the first man I love... And I like we have this great com- we have this great date and we're hitting it off so well and conversations flowing and we don't want the night to end we like walk all over Paris and he doesn't remember me like, I would just be like take my soul right here yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't do this every every month I couldn't do this all the time just being forgetful forget like forgettable I would just I don't know like I feel like people strive to be remembered in life I it just I just can't wrap my head around being forgetful to that extent yeah like what's the point if no one's gonna remember you and like maybe that's a super narcissistic selfish way to think but what what's the point if no one's gonna remember me why am i even doing any of this (laughs) it's not like we need the world to remember us we just want the people we love to remember us yeah the people we share special moments with to remember us and they 
the people we share the most special moments in our lives with doesn't remember those moments like it just is crushing and i just i wouldn't have the will to continue (laughs) okay do you think it was unfair so now she made the deal with luke three days before henry's last day and i say this Mm. with quotation marks of what really wasn't his last day do you think that she should have told henry like this guy went around town saying his <laughs> goodbyes to everybody well she knew well well in advance that he wasn't going anywhere i thought okay i have two thoughts I first thought, how freaking cruel. Because on Henry's last day is when it sinks in that he's going to die. And he has to live that entire day thinking he's going to die. And she holds his hand throughout it and is the perfect supportive girlfriend. And I'm just like, when we found out she made that deal, I was like, oh my gosh, that was so cruel. But here's my second thought. There was no way she could have told him for the same reason he didn't tell her that he even made the deal in the first place. He didn't want there to be that big dark cloud hanging over them and that big burden hanging over them. He wanted to just live out his final days with her as perfectly as he could. And so once she made the deal, she wanted to just live out those final three days with him as perfectly as they could, exactly as they planned. And if she told him, he would have just tried to make a deal with Luke to undo it because he wouldn't have wanted her to have, you know, resold her soul or however she amended the terms. So I feel like she had to do it, even if it was a little cruel. But I I think it was the right smart move. It was very cruel. <laughs> <laughs> um, very. But I don't think, like, Henry could have made a deal with Luke because Luke wanted nothing else from Henry. He was going to get a soul and that was it. Like, he didn't have that love with Addie. He didn't love Ad he didn't love Henry like he loved Addie, and I feel like that was the only way she was able to manipulate the situation. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was just like wild. I was that last part took me for a loop because I was wondering why it was a couple chapters before that and he noted how Addie got up, but then when uh-huh. he woke up again she was there and I was like, Oh, that's really weird, like why did he even say that she got out of bed? And then we flashed back to that day again. They're like, and then like it's like her point of view, and I was like, oh my god! And then, <laughs> bam, she's just gone, and he's like writing a book. Yeah, I kind of almost wish Henry had forgotten her because, in some ways, I think it was really cruel to let him remember her after they'd been together, and you know, he loved her and. I get like it was good he remembered her and could write the book, but I also thought that was kind of cruel to him. I think it was too, but I feel like it gave him a purpose in life, and I feel like he struggled having a purpose in life. Like, he didn't really know where his direction was. He didn't really know what he wanted out of life. Like, he was kind of just like, and he had that one year, my life's over in a year, so he didn't really like bother trying to find one, especially with Addie around. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, once she left and gave him the responsibility of being the only person who could remember her, it was like his purpose was to share her story. Yeah, no, and I think that was good. I think that was a good purpose. I worry a little about Henry, though, because I hope he's a good writer outside of that story. Otherwise, what's his purpose again? Because, like, literally, Addie wrote that book. You know, I mean, I get he wrote it down, but it was her words and her story. And so now he's going to be this published author. It's probably going to do amazing because it's an amazing story. And then where does he go from there? His muse was Addie, and Addie's now gone. Yeah, I don't know either. It will definitely be interesting. I Well, I guess we will never know. I don't think there will be a second book to this. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> we actually were like watching TV. I don't think I'd actually want to read it because it was just no. there's just some books you don't want another part to, and this is probably one of them. It was a really great story, but I I'm good. I'm glad to close the chapter on it. I'm glad to mm-hmm. record this podcast, and we probably won't touch on it. I, probably, I mean, I think it will be a book that stays with me, and I think about it for a while. But I don't think it's going to be a book that I will stay with me till next year. Do you have, I don't know if that makes sense. I feel like I, I'm... I actually think this book will stay with me. I, I think the more I sit on this book, the more I like it. I think in the like in the trenches of it, I was a little bogged down by how long it was. But now that it's over and I've digested it, I really do like the book and I like the premise and I like all the themes that were presented. And I've actually pictured in my mind, like this would be a really good TV show, kind of like a, a vampire diaries TV show. And, you know, each show could like each episode, she could be in a different place. Like it could live out the life of Addie LaRue. She could go to France. She could go to Munich, Germany. And then I don't know if the TV show would be told in flashbacks and present day, but like I could, I started picturing this more so than just, like with Atomic Love, it was just a book to me. But this, I I could see potential. Not that I want a sequel. Like you said, this is a one and done for me. But this isn't one I'm going to just forget the way I have some of the ones that we've read or I've read. Another question I had is, do you like the writing of this book? Because you tend to be rather critical on the writing of books. What did you think? Yeah, I... I won't say I loved it, but I didn't hate it. I I didn't really think too much of the writing, so I think that's a good thing. Like, the fact that I'm not bogged down in details about the writing, I wasn't concerned with it. It was a good book. It was told well. I thought it was written fine. I'm not – so I'm not someone who actually likes jumping around in a timeline, flashbacks and present. But with this book, it made sense. Yeah, I didn't have – I don't love books that jump around in timeline – just because, especially this one, like, it jumped ahead. Then like, It wasn't, like, a, a sequence. Like, when we read that first book, of our first podcast book, I forget what the book's called again. Say You Still Love Me? Yeah. When we read Say You Still Love Me, that timeline, a bunch of the jumps around, it made sense to me because it was, like, a pretty consistent, we were in the present, we were in the past, we were in the present, we were in the past. But, like, the present timeline stayed consistent and the past timeline stayed consistent. But, like, with this book, the present timeline stayed consistent where the past one jumped around so much. And I know that they were vital to the story, but I don't always love that. So, like, I mean, I, it was a good writing because it kept me engaged and it kept me, like, understanding what was going on and what time period it was. But I didn't love that because I just sometimes get lost. And I feel yeah. like it messes up with my flow of the book. And I feel like that's no, another reason why it felt like it was so much longer than it was. Because it really was only like 400 pages. Like, it's not that yeah. long of a book. We've roughly read books that are this big. It just felt, like, so long because it, it just jumped around so much. Yeah, it jumped around. And you're basically, in my opinion, reading three different stories. You're reading Addie's past story, which jumps around like crazy, like you said. And that's kind of hard to follow. Then you're reading Addie's present story, which I enjoyed and kept wanting it to get back to. And then you're also reading Henry's past story. And... That got confusing to me because we'd be, like, you know, the way the chapters are, they show where you are in the world. So if she's in Paris or if she's in New York. And whenever we got to New York, I thought it was present Addie's story. But then I would start reading and I I would have to go back and look at the date and be like, oh, this is 2013 New York. So that's 
Henry's past story. And that was just, that got really confusing and hard to follow. No, I feel that completely. I was, I sometimes had to like start over or look at the top and like it was, I never really said whose point of view it was in. It wasn't like a giveaway. So you kind of had to like read more and figure out like where you were in the story. But no, really good writing for her to be able to do that. It's just not my favorite type of book. Yeah. But. No, good book. I really did like this book. I can see why everybody on Bookstagram loves this book. I actually don't. I actually have not read a lot of reviews about it, but I do. I have seen it all over Bookstagram. No, really good book. Really good writing. I can see the hype. I definitely like Addie. I just don't relate to her in any sense. I I I relate to her desire to want to see the world and to want to be independent, but I also don't live in the 1600s and me being in the 20 like. 2020 being a female like i i have adventure i have freedom i have independence at my fingertips i live in new york city i can probably hop on a plane tomorrow and fly to another country if i really wanted to well maybe not because of corona but like normal situation yeah i probably could do that like i have the funds and the time to do that so like i don't really relate to her in those those senses and i don't think i would sell my soul to do those things would you sell your soul for anything but really, what is a soul? <laughs> no, I think about that too. Like you're gonna die regardless. So does selling your soul just mean you die sooner? This actually book made me think of a lot about death and where you go after death. Mm-hmm. And I knew I grew, I grew up, and I do think heaven's real. But like, what is heaven? What is your soul? What is hell? Like <laughs> <laughs> this book really made me think about the afterlife. Because what are in the, a good what is she, No, in a bad way. Because I usually don't think about death. Um, I try not to because I don't really want to. It's gonna come when it comes. So like, I don't know why. Why waste your time worrying about it? So I never really think about death, but it kind of got me thinking about like the afterlife and what is your soul and why is she so scared to lose her soul and it's just it makes you think. This book real real yeah. deep. <laughs> okay, we're getting really too deep here. Like, what is the afterlife? <laughs> what are our souls? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the answer to any of it. I'm just living my life day by day, reading books day by day, just living our best accounting lives. <laughs> so you you trade your soul then? <laughs> <laughs> if you had to be an accountant or trade your soul, what would you be? <laughs> um, don't you have to trade your soul to be an accountant? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I guess we're going to give our ratings. So I give this book a 4.3. Okay. That's pretty much where I was. I was waffling between 4.2 and 4.3. So I'll give it a 4.3 as well. And then we can, don't have to do the math. Sounds good. So our average is a 4.3. So thanks for listening, guys. I think our next book we're going to read. So we wanted to fit one more thriller into October, but we didn't do that because I was traveling and this book took a long time to finish, so we were going to read A Good Girl's Guide to Murder Next, but since October is pretty much over, it's the 28th, and we probably won't get this episode out until like Halloween, I'm guessing. So we're going to go back to, we're going to do Romance November, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're actually going to read a Christmas book, which I know it's not Christmas time. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. But this book is just coming out. It's from Candy Steiner. And I know I've talked about her on this podcast before, but we never read a book of hers for our podcast. So we are going to read her, her new book. And it's about Christmas. And 
you know, it's going to get us in the Christmas move a little early this year, but I feel like Christmas is being celebrated early this year. I feel like everyone's decorating now because everyone's home and they want to make their homes really pretty. So, I don't know. What do you what do you yeah. feel, Marissa? Is that Yeah, no, I'm ex- I'm excited for it. Uh, I can't believe we haven't read a Candy Steiner book on here since we've read especially you you've read a ton of them and I've read a couple and I have a ton on my TBR. Yeah, so that's what the book we're going to read next. I forget the title. Let me look up the titles. Okay, so we're going to read The Christmas Blanket by Candy Steiner. So, that's what we're going to read next. We hope to get it out soon. It's Mine's not going to get delivered till the 31st anyway, so it probably won't be until November. But, yeah, if you have any romance books you want to give us recommendations, let us know, because that's what we're doing romance November to get us in the warm feels for the holiday season. What was that book you tagged me in earlier, Marissa, about Paris? Paris is always a good idea. I think, yeah, Paris is always a good idea. Yes, I think we should read that next after we read The Christmas Blanket. I think it fits with your Emily in Paris a love affair and I would love to read a book about Paris so I'd be down okay sounds good so obviously we'll like probably finalize that after we read our next book and get this podcast out but we're just telling you as the listeners what our vibe is for the next month so stay tuned to that check out our Instagram for updates and we thank you so much for listening and have a great day this is Kayla and Marissa (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that was an awkward (laughs) intro Uh, we we thank you guys all for listening this is kayla and marissa and have a great day